0: Okay. Hey everyone, this is Jenny
1: This is Hillary. And welcome
0: to side B of Octum Baby B Octum of the Bebe
1: Bebe Octum Baby
0: If you have not listened to the last episode You can go back, you can listen to our intro And the first six songs And now we're going to tackle the last six
1: Just in case you don't remember We have a thing where we're doing a shot for every song that has the mention baby in it yes we started doing our podcast and then realized that we weren't recording so we had a pre-shot and then we had the explanation shot and we've now had five additional shots yes even
0: though this is a separate episode we are just recording all the way through, so apologies. Yeah.
1: So we're still drunk from side A, side a. of Bebe. Yeah. Bebe. I'm not we drunk. Are... I'm just a little tipsy happy.
0: I'm I'm just very happy.
1: Yeah, I'm not drunk. Yeah.
0: We no. are drinking a specialty drink called the Octung Baby Guinness, which is Kahlua and Bailey's. And our little shot glasses.
1: I have a little shot glass that says hi from St. Martin with a little pot leaf on it.
0: And mine says New York.
1: Yeah. Wrong album. Totally. We'll get there another okay. time. Okay, we should start off with the first song of Side B, which is No Secret at All.
0: No Secret at All. And the second word, probably the first official word in the song, is baby.
1: Oh, baby, so thank
0: I don't think O counts as a word.
1: No. Oh, baby, baby child.
0: child. (laughs) Octang. Baby. Side B's are not always the best sides of albums, but with Octang Baby, it's just—I mean—you can't start a side with the fly and not have the rest not be stellar material.
1: The fly is actually my favorite song off of Octang Baby, and it took me many, many, many years to actually realize that, to admit that.
0: I've decided that I can't pick a favorite song off this album, because if you listen to side A, one is very important to me because it's my, like, U2 Inception song. So Cruel is one of my favorite songs that they have ever written, for more artsy reasons, but The Fly? Live?
1: You don't There's need nothing better. About.
0: You need They've played else?
1: The Fly 351 times. I've heard it 11. I've heard
0: it 18. Was that all Elevation?
1: It must have been. For, I think it was Elevation, they had some really weird, awesome mix that they played live that was... I don't know why I was thinking it was for Elevation. I don't know.
0: I don't know. That was when they had, like, those weird screens that kind of went up behind the stage. Yeah. And put would pretend he was, like, plastered to the wall. Yeah i don't know hey remember that one time we went to dublin to see an e and i show and we forgot what the set list was and then the fly came on and we lost our shit
1: totally lost our shit totally forgot that it was coming
0: like zoo station came on first and we were like this is the best thing that's ever happened to us and then the fly happened and we died
1: died like end gas. the story. Next song. <laughs> Just so, I think I think we clutched our pearls. We <laughs> 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 was wearing pearls. We were wearing pearls. But I'd had some shots for sure. sure. For Zoo TV, they had like you know the screen flashed words that had to do with you know interesting a lot of subliminal things. But one of the things that they had for E and I, well, they flashed the word croissant, which I somehow captured, not knowing that it was even coming up. Because it was my first show with the flower, I think. Yeah. And Jenny ate like 10 croissants <laughs> on that trip.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it it turns sorry. out that's my guilty pleasure. I love a good croissant, man.
1: Everywhere we went, it was like, I'll take a croissant. Chocolate. Whatever. And now Um, I really regret not eating more croissants in Dublin because you seem to have such a great time with it.
0: It was, ugh, they're so good. There's nothing like a bakery croissant. So I learned a new word reading up on this song, and that is aphorism. Yeah. Did you learn that too? Which is like an obvious truth. For instance, it's no secret that a friend is someone who lets you help. Or a liar won't believe anyone else. The sun is sometimes eclipsed by the moon. You know, the sky is blue. Right. <laughs> Bono had been reading a book that had, like, great truths in it or something. Her name, the author's Jenny something. I didn't write it down. I re- yeah, I
1: read that too.
0: He got this idea from reading that book. But this song is so important because the fly, the character the fly, ends up defining this entire era for the band and it all started with the guy who does their wardrobe fit and Fitzgerald found these old junky shades at like a resale shop and brought them in I guess Bono put them on and that was the end of life as we knew it
1: he said he started off wearing them to make people laugh when things weren't going very well and then yeah. it just caught
0: there's some quote um, from Adam he's like I don't know what came first the song or the shades, but it doesn't really matter. I think
1: Bonner says it was the shades. So, okay, I, when I was a senior in high school, I did the morning announcements, which was like <laughs> the rock star of high school. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was like having your own podcast back in <laughs> the 90s. Um, and so my, my best friend. Sarah, and I went to see you too, yeah. at the Hampton Coliseum. We're looking at the screen and listening to the lyrics, and all of a sudden we both just looked at each other like, "Yeah, what? And the next morning, well the next morning we didn't go to school because we were seniors, and it was a really good show, we were out late, and we just weren't going to school the next yeah. day, so we, we both, I think, feigned illness or something but then the next day which i wonder who did the morning announcements that day (laughs) we were both out they must have gotten someone else anyway that day our morning announcement we'd have a quote every day and a lot of times i would go to italian restaurants and get them off the menu just these quotes there were a couple italian restaurants around here and I got quotes from the menu, and I had this paper menu that I just had in the room where we did the announcements, and I wrote a few down the next day. And one of them was, Ambition Bites the Nails of Success. <laughs> that was our morning announcement, the first day we were back at school after U2. I don't remember everything else. First one we did was, Ambition Bites the Nails of Success. Um, which maybe isn't really the... Bono was a nail biter. Right, I just read that. I mean, his nails always look a little gross. Ambition Bites the Nails of Success might not really be the message you want to convey to a bunch of high school kids, but (laughs) we were almost out of there, so who gave a crap? What were they going to do? Take Um, the morning announcements away from us? Right. Yeah, and I so I have... I think because of that, because I really didn't think I had any popularity or anything in high school, but it's like Facebook, every day I get like two people who I don't remember from high school requesting me as a friend, and I think it was because they heard my name every day. We had, you know, good morning, this is Hillary Frank, and this is Sarah Camp, and these are the morning announcements. Um. That is hilarious. They remember your name. I guess so, I don't know, but I don't remember. Uh, I remember people's names, because I did yearbook, but I don't remember people. If I don't really know you, I don't. So, this was in context of what I was saying earlier, that Bono said, you know, if people are accusing you of having megalomania, you may as well just have it. And that's the fly. Yes. So, his falsetto voices fat lady voice to me is absolutely a necessity of this song but i don't love it i don't know why i'm not a big fan of falsetto that said this song is freaking perfect it's my favorite song on the album i can say that and still have a few little of course you can have all the know, feels complaints but I i'm just love... not
0: I love it. But you were saying about the fly Uh, and the megalomania stuff. And, you know, he says the fly are, you know, owning up to one's own hypocrisy in your heart. So own up to your hypocrisy.
1: Before I I write down hypocrisy, it just seems like that's what this, you know, to me, that's, I'm sure I've heard Bonner say it before, but it, it really, really is. God, I don't know. I just love it. It's, Seriously, my favorite song off the album, and it took me many, many years. I mean, i it's only been in the past five years or something that I came to that conclusion. Yeah,
0: Man, and I'll tell you what opening... it was from
1: it was from the at YouTube poll that they, that they used to have. I don't know if they yeah. still have it. And it said, What's your favorite song from each album? And I got to Octone Baby, and I'm like, The Fly, and I'm like, Oh. <laughs> What? I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that is correct. That is the correct answer. But until I hit that button, I was not aware. I didn't and know. I I just went through and I'm like, don't think about it. Just put in the song that, you know, comes to your eye first and it was It's amazing. I don't welcome. know. What, I know what my favorite song obviously ever off of Rattle and Hum. And I think I can probably pick my Favorite song off Joshua Tree and Unforgettable Fire. But I don't know that I have an absolute favorite song for every album. Right.
0: It's hard because they mean different things to you.
1: Yeah.
0: But this song, man, there's that opening guitar and then when, like, the bass kicks in. Like, holy shit. It is insane. So I know that you had a quote from Edge saying that Octum Baby is the sound of these four guys chopping down the Joshua Tree. And Bono says that about the fly
1: yeah. as well. It probably was Edge that said it first, and then Bono... Well, they tend to, like, they're...
0: overlap on things.
1: Yeah.
0: I think well, one every person artist says it, cannibal. and other people tend, tend to use it.
1: Well, every artist is a cannibal. Every poet oh, is, a thief. is a thief. Yeah. Which is my favorite line, and I have it highlighted. It's no secret that a conscience can sometimes be a pus. It's no secret ambition bites the nails of success. Every artist is a cannibal... Every poet is a thief. I'll kill their inspiration and sing about their grief. God, that is just perfect. How does this shit even happen? Like, (laughs) I just feel like it has to be, you know, you just have to grasp at it because it just it falls from the sky. How can a mere mortal write something like that?
0: It seems impossible. Yeah. I like the very end when he's like, look, I got to go. I'm running out of change. There's a lot of things. If I could, I've rearranged. He says he's on the phone. like, I got to go. I love that. And it's distorted. It's cool. right?
1: So for kids uh, who don't know, there used to be a thing called pay phones. (laughs) You had to put change in them. And then you could only be on the phone for a certain amount of time. So the first single was The Fly off of Octane Baby. And on my local radio station, they had, you know, a countdown how many days until the new single's coming out, and I remember listening to it, and it was, like, at midnight, and I had this daybed, and I'm laying in the bed, like, looking up the ceiling, no lights on, like, waiting for midnight for the song to come on, and I think I, like, cried. And Aww. I'm like, wow, no, this isn't my band! And I think that lasted for a day or something. And then I'm yeah. like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever. But being, you know, hearing the Joshua tree and rattle and hum, the fly was just such a foreign monster. It was just something outside of the realm of any understanding I could have. It just sounded like something I'd never heard before. Definitely not. You two. And I just vividly remember it. It was very disturbing to hear for the first. And then, you know, I... Grew like within 24 hours to love it.
0: Well, they do not introduce it gently. No. It's like smacking you in the face with a brick. <laughs> We're back! Oh,
1: baby child. Oh, baby child. I'm gonna
0: start saying that to my children. Oh, baby child.
1: Oh, baby child. That's not
0: gonna go over well. <laughs> um, I think it was Ed said. It took 15 years for them to figure out how to play it live. Well, they figured it out, big time.
1: Yeah, so good. I like. Sure. I just have all the feels thinking about the fly. It's just my favorite thing.
0: It's just. Um, it's it's immense. It is unbelievable that this is what came out of them.
1: Okay, shall we move on to the next song?
0: Yeah, I think it's a great idea.
1: Oh yay! It's mysterious ways. Yeah, yay! I actually have a I'm ton sorry. of great songs. <laughs> i didn't expect that at all again this is basically the song i you know the pop song on every album that i don't like i don't dislike it like we've been saying it doesn't feel like it fits on the album i now have a kind of change of heart of that it doesn't belong on the second side of the album yeah like if they swapped so cruel and mysterious ways that would be much more cohesive interesting Yeah, I literally came up with that as we were talking. So, the song started off being called Sick Puppy. The
0: The bass line from Adam. Yeah. Is that what Sick Puppy was? And they knew they needed it, but didn't know where to put it.
1: Right. What happened was, Edge was trying different treatments to mysterious ways, and one of them, Bono, grabbed a sound from it, and that ended up being one. Well, if you watch From the Sky Down, Bono is listening to original Hansa tapes. Like, you know, 2011 Bono. It came out
0: 2011, so yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. So is listening to the demos from Mysterious Ways, and he's looking at a book or papers or something, and all of a sudden his head spins around. Like, literally, it's just like, whoop!
0: <laughs> the best like, moment of the whole movie.
1: The best moment! And it's like, he hears something and it's not immediate. It seems he knows what it is. And then someone else is, t- I guess, the guy that made the movie is talking to him about it and said, and this turned into, and Bob was like, one. And it was just this, oh my God. But to see his reaction yeah. to hearing it all those years later was just It was amazing. like
0: visceral. It was like...
1: It really was. But in From the Sky Down, they have videos of, no it's not, it's still audio, of him doing lyrics to Mysterious Ways, and it is the prime example of Bangalese, where it's Mm -hmm. not a real language, because the lyrics were like, A, A, B, like he was saying (laughs) the notes, and he's saying there's a table in the room, and (laughs) just whatever. But it's amazing, because it is Mysterious Ways, it's just nothing he had lyrics to. It literally was like it's been described a placeholder for the proper lyric. I'd right. never it's actually the But I mean he has it down to like the syllables just not of the words that he ended up using, but that was just fascinating to see that cuz I've heard people talk about it and I don't ever remember hearing it. Yeah, it just, and this was you right you there. Hear it,
0: if you go back to that unforgettable fire documentary, okay. you can hear it, but it's so much more refined. Yeah in the session. One of the things I absolutely love about the fact that this started with a bass riff that they just kept hanging on to because they weren't sure where it was going to go but they really, really loved it was that I remember my dad, this would have been like mid-90s or something, and he's like, what's that one song song? What's that one you two song? He's like, bum 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 bum. He's just is like, he's like, it's a U2 song. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, no, it's <laughs> it's the friggin' bass line to Mysterious Way. That's I'm crazy. like, so he pulled it out. That is so funny. We were talking about in the um, Side A episode about how Bono got the lyric credits for this whole album. Yeah. But this is one where Edge came up with something. First of all, Bono says this is you two at it's funkiest, sexy music. We came up with a few different verses, but Edge really liked the nursery rhyme feel we ended up with. The Johnny take a walk with your sister the moon, let her pale light in to fill up the room. It's a song about a man living on little or no romance. We were going to call the album Fear of Women at one point. Edge came up with the it's alright, it's alright coda. He wanted to prove a point. He said, We've never had a song that says it's alright. So I said, Alright. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so in From the Sky Down, Bono's listening to an early version of it and he's like, yeah. It's a not alright. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Oh, it's not alright. So I also have the nursery rhyme comment. And when you think about it, think about like laying jump rope on the playground. Uh And it does sound like Johnny Take a Walk. You know, like, it does sound like a a jump rope kind of song. It's kind of amazing. So for the 20th anniversary, they released a box set of lots of content for Ak Baby. And one of the CDs was a cover CD. Mm -hmm. And Snow Patrol covered Mysterious Ways. And I love Snow Patrol. But they somehow... Like surgically remove the sexy from mysterious ways really? because it is not. Yeah, and I, that said, I love Snow Patrol. I'm not, but there's right. the element of. of mysterious ways that is
0: it is really, a sexy
1: song it's yeah. a very sexy song so one of the I think it was also from that edge quote but he said that their theory is that women are superior beings and when you yeah. think about that they all have very strong wives yeah. and children daughters and the U2 business has historically been run by women Yeah. and that just to me a really Amazing thing because in the history of rock and roll, it's not really a big place for feminism.
0: Oh, it's anti feminism. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. I uh, was-
1: a little sarcastic with that, because it's a yeah, horrible place yeah. for feminism. But it's just interesting how you two have a totally different, and generally have always had, I can think of and, one And always of. have,
0: yeah. I mean, if you think about the people that are still on their crew and doing their publicity, well, things have changed and got a little corporate now. But even up right. until recent years, these are people they knew in high school, right. or early on in their careers, women who are high up on their management teams and their publicity teams and their money making decision team, you name it. There's yeah at every level there are women. It's unheard of. So, and I I have friends acquaintance who is she's a female tour manager and she's told me that there's there's no organization like you two. No, it's all men. Absolutely all men. I mean it's getting a, better. Okay. But, but I mean, I
1: uh, think that's one of the big selling points of our podcast is that how many podcasts are there by women about anything rock and roll?
0: Right. I will have to search that out because I know certainly, well, it's changed a lot in the last few years. But in general, the active vocal U2 world has been men. There's definitely been some fan sites that have women, writers, but people kind of running the shows have been men. And I've known some of them. They've been wonderful people. I'm not dissing Absolutely. for that. No. But there is definitely this larger presence of women now, more visual female fans, as opposed to in the shadows. Maybe we feel more comfortable coming out. <laughs> I don't know. We've been hiding in the shadows for how many decades? <laughs> right. And,
1: and hiding? it's definitely You're reflective
0: totally right of the that. band's attitudes.
1: So, um, Mysterious Ways has been played 602 times. I've heard it 40.
0: I've heard it 36. I remember it being fun and exciting and it feeling kind of stale and boring pretty quickly.
1: So, I had a friend that was in a band and they covered Mysterious Ways. And I just was like, oh, you know I appreciate you playing some U2 that yeah. I assume it's for me because everyone else here wants to hear Metallica and stuff. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, weird stuff like Blink-182 or I don't know. But I appreciated it. But I'm just like, that's not what I want to hear a cover band play. And he was yeah. like, it is the most fun song to play. It's so much fun to watch, you know, the crowd when you play it. He was yeah. like, what your take of it is, is not what the rest of the world sees and that's stuck in my head for a few years now but I definitely listen to Mysterious ways and from researching for this podcast it's the biggest like 180 I've had on this album on this for this episode
0: really this, enjoy it in the context of the album
1: yeah but I mean I can't even believe I have like a page of stuff about it and <laughs> for so many years I'm just like do you need a pee I kind of need a pee now <laughs> like, <laughs> which the truth is we don't pee, but if I needed to pee, you it would need definitely be to, to in serious ways. I think um, unlike,
0: maybe someone can tell me differently if listening to this, this song, as far as I can tell, hasn't grown. You know how songs grow and, you know, they grow from children to teenagers to adults during live shows? This song has been played so many times, and I'm not sure how much it's changed.
1: I agree with that. I never thought about Which, it until you just said um, it.
0: But... I guess I just... And if it has changed, it just doesn't really do much for me in the live setting. The band certainly seems to enjoy playing it. They wouldn't play it if they didn't like it and weren't getting a good reaction. It's a huge single. Right. Something I didn't think about till we were researching this was that, so if Baby was really my real introduction to the band, Mysterious Ways was my first real visual introduction to them like Bono in that red shirt like riling on the ground right I'm a little bit like who is this fool
1: (laughs) (laughs) so I never thought about it that way as that being the first visual of that's a little disturbing actually
0: I think the fly had come and gone when I got the album. So it was Mysterious Ways and One, Like, those were my big singles as, like, a visual for the band. Then I saw, like, Rattle and Hum and stuff, but... I should say that despite the fact that this song is man full-on submitting to woman, there is no baby. But they say that the song is about a man with little love in his life. The song idolizes women, but is addressing the man. I had once heard that this song was about god is a woman but i've never read that since that was early on it could happen
1: yeah county blue cars by Dishwala has that line which i just think is always really kind of liked it it's we said tell me all your thoughts on god because i'd really like to mirror
0: <gasps> yeah Mhm.
1: there's a whole episode of how i met your mother about that song I
0: should watch that But anyway, show. I
1: feel like that's where you're going with Mysterious Ways. That's really yeah. cool.
0: I just remember reading or hearing that really clearly as like a true defined version of that song. And so for the longest time, I just right. accepted that as what that song was. But you know, there's reference to kneeling, which could go both ways.
1: <laughs> See, that's I've always gone that other way with that.
0: Well, when you're told it's about God, you go... To prayer in
1: prayer but
0: when you start learning more, you
1: well, live he changes that lyric.
0: He does. What does he Generally. change it to?
1: Live he changes the lyric to on your knees, girl. Oh, I
0: don't think I've ever noticed that. Yeah, hmm.
1: pretty sure I'm right about that. I know I've heard him say that.
0: Interesting. Oh, Is oh, it maybe not? when there's a girl on
1: stage? I don't know, but that definitely turns that around.
0: Yeah, it does for sure. But I can see if there's a girl dancing on stage that that could. Yeah, he could be singing to her I don't know I gotta give that song way more credit than I have for like the last decade
1: oh definitely
0: okay should we move on to the next song also Zero Babies
1: I'll make up for it
0: and song after it this is trying to figure out for the world and I love this song I do too just this subdued sweet little ditty about drunk ambition
1: Drunk, that's exactly what I have in capital letters
0: he says this song about drunk ambition as in I'll be home soon
1: <laughs> like way to oh, have my
0: ambitions <laughs>
1: To me it sounds like studio again. Yeah. I just hear studio and Yeah. Yeah. And I you know what, I really would like I don't want anyone else to answer. I would really like one of the YouTubes to answer that question. What am I hearing when I say it's it sounds like studio?
0: I'm sure they know what you're talking about. If you were to say it's these particular songs, what is the? That would be good. Yeah. That would be interesting. Trip Through
1: Your Wires. I mean, like, I have a list of them that just to me sound like.
0: Well, Trip Through Your Wires just sounds like a live track. Yeah. For sure.
1: But it's, I mean, it's studio. But anyway, so I don't know what that is, but that's what I hear. Yeah. It's been played 140 times. I have heard it once,
0: I have heard two snippets. In 2011, on the 360 tour, he would snip it into mysterious ways sometimes. So I heard it twice then, a little bit. Bono says it's a pretty simple song, in meaning, we talked about this on our Joshua Tree episodes. In 1986, the band lived like in a compound in L.A. They all just hunkered down together to write and live the California lifestyle. And I guess you know, they weren't big drinkers before then. They were religious nuts and political fanatics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Every are, artist is a cannibal.
0: Those are my original lines and my original thoughts. <laughs> and he says that he just kind of had to go through this phase of just living the life and being a drunk and coming home in the wee hours in the morning and Allie would come visit. And she just kind of understood that.
1: Which it was a phase. I,
0: it wasn't was that really he, a phase. She, had, that she understood he needed to just go through that. And I'm thinking that was really nice of her to say that. Because I would have just was, gone straight home.
1: Right. Was it really Why a phase? I, here? I think
0: that phase lasted through the mid-90s. Yeah. At least. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, it wasn't just 86 for sure. No. And I didn't do my quote Bill Flanagan's book almost at all. Unless it was from the top of my head. But we do need to do a book report on that, because that is the classic yes. proof that that was not over in
0: 1986.
1: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it was just the getting started. Existence. <laughs> right. But, I mean, it was, Bono said that, you know, they were in L.A., and they were learning to be rock stars, and there was... Lots of drink and debauchery, and he staggered home every morning, which is exactly what this song tells. I mean,
0: sunrise like a nosebleed. Your head hurts and you can't breathe. <laughs> been trying to yeah, throw your um, arms around the world, like yes.
1: You've been falling off the sidewalk. Your lips move, but you can't talk.
0: <laughs> Six o'clock in the morning, you're last to hear the warning. Like I mean, it's it's brilliant. Just,
1: yeah, and then. I believe that. Like, I would like to hear more of a story about that because I'm not sure that I've heard it. But I bet anything that Bono had a a dream about Dolly, right? I mean, I'm assuming. I love, he- I love the vocals of that section. How? Yeah.
0: It echoes itself with like a high and low. Yeah. Version. It's really cool. But a supermarket trolley and an open top beetle. It sounds like an outtake of like the Sgt. Pepper movie or something
1: so I was just thinking of, of Across the Universe right? It's that's what I was just thinking about
0: that kind of graphics like yeah
1: Mr. Kite for the mm-hmm. benefit of yeah that's what oh, I was thinking I love that song so very very much
0: and it's just compared to everything else it's just so simple and yeah honest and relatively harmless I mean it ended up being harmless
1: (laughs) well I mean so one of the lines is nothing much to say I guess just the same as all the rest I feel like that's like a phone call like what do you want me to say my night was because it's the same night I had last night kind of thing exactly which I like those days when I had nothing much to say I guess
0: yeah I feel like that's now my mom will call and she'll be like, I'm just calling. Nothing much to say, I guess. You say that periodically. Just the same as all the rest.
1: You've been trying to throw your arms around the world.
0: Bean. Hey there, friends, fans, and listeners. Jenny here. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a pretty big YouTube fan. And if you're a pretty big YouTube fan, you probably know about Bono's work in Africa through the organizations Red and One. Now, more than ever, it is imperative we give them our support as they are not only fighting the AIDS pandemic, but also the COVID-19 pandemic. And you can help. Go to red.org and one.org to find out how you can be involved. Okay, should we move on to our next big baby? This song is described by the singer himself as the peak, the mountaintop of babies. (laughs) How many babies did he set are on this album? He said 27. There are 30 in this song. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so usually see, times usually Quano says it's 269 times that baby said and then it ends up being 27 <laughs> so for him to under 30 estimate, i
0: just counted again 30 this song was on U2X Radio the other day, and it was at the end with all the babies. And my husband's like, That's a lot of good lyrics there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, God damn it, it's a good song. Okay, Ultraviolet Light My Way. The Mountain of Babies.
1: Should we do two shots? Let's do one now. And then one at the end.
0: Octong, <laughs> Baby!
1: We were really drinking these shots, in case you were wondering. Ooh,
0: that oh, that was really not went for
1: out show. Forward. This is legit shots. Yeah.
0: So, interestingly enough, we had a local record store. If there was a new release, that's where I would go. And, I, you know, they open at 10. I'd be there at 930. And I remember, funny enough, I was actually there for a Hothouse Flowers release. And there was another woman there. And we started chatting. She was much older. Than, I mean, I was in high school. She was ancient, comparatively. She was probably 40. <laughs>
1: like, I don't know.
0: And we started chatting. She's an epic YouTube fan. I do not remember her name, which is, I can almost picture her. We didn't, we were very different ages. We never hung out. But she told me that you can't understand this song, Ultraviolet, till you've been married. And I was like, okay. But that has stuck with me for like all this time. So Bono says about this, that Ultraviolet light my way was a little disturbed. There's a silence that comes to the house where no one can sleep is a great line. I can say that with all modesty because I stole it from Raymond Carmer. My apologies. It's an epic U2 song, but again, the key of it left my voice in a conversational place and allowed a different kind of lyric writing. It has almost a Motown chorus, baby, 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 light my way. But I disguise very dark content. Your love is a secret that's been passed around. Jealousy infidelity love rears its ugly head so again just like the title octum baby hides the darkness of the album the mountain of babies hides the dark content of this song
1: and for a long time they didn't play it so edge's quote he said i once said to bob dylan people are going to be playing your songs for thousands of years Bob Dylan said, man, they're going to be listening to your songs, too. It's just no one's going to know how to play them. And Edge <laughs> says, sometimes I might add, that includes us. And I think yes. that's that was in reference to the song, which I think is really funny. I think it's just such fucking poetry. Yeah. And I say that, and my next comment is the line, God, I love it. It's so... Ugh. I remember when we could sleep on stones. Now we lie together in whispers and moans. When I was all messed up and I heard opera in my head, your love was the light bulb hanging over my bed. So I remember hearing, oh, reading the I lyrics. Keeps keep getting chills yeah. whenever you read these. I remember reading the lyrics from the liner notes of my Autumn Baby CD. And I'm like, really? I think he put messed up instead of fucked up because he didn't want... The yeah. ex- explicit lyrics. Oh yeah, totally. Because um, clearly that's messed up. That's not what he's going for there. And I think live he does say it often. Fucked up.
0: So is that light bulb? Do you think of that light bulb as the same light bulb from I
1: and E, e and I? Definitely. But wasn't
0: it? I mean that that light bulb's from his childhood bedroom on Cedarwood Road. But I don't know. I just feel like that. It's such a strong symbol for him. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, that whole sleeping on stones, whispers and moans, I mean, that is, marriage is a hard, man. There's so much here.
1: Well, I mean, I'm not married, but I think I can, Yeah. I definitely understand, you know, where he's going with the lyrics.
0: Oh, for sure, yeah. It's not hidden at all. And then the song in general, I mean, it's got that big U2 sound. Such a, big song I heard it one time it's
1: it's on a big2 song
0: at those Jt 17 songs when they played it on the anniversary tour yeah uh-huh. when they again they reinvented this song this song that's about like a tra- tragic relationships has turned into a pro women her story
1: right. anthem so you know Bonnie said and I don't have the exact quote but instead of using the term baby as being politically incorrect he just wanted to see how many times he could get away with saying it like <laughs> I feel like there is right. a ton of songs where it's like why would you use the word I don't know crazy words like um Three. cockatoo stuff like yeah. that it's like can you use the word baby 30 times in one song challenge accepted you know, like, I feel like that's one of those things which just cracks me up. So it was played 250 times. I've heard it 12 times.
0: I've heard it four, four times. Once on 360, and then three times on the Josh Tree Anniversary Tour, where it just blossomed. I mean, it just really became a whole new song. It's so amazing. I read somewhere, I don't know if it was a band member or one of the producers or something, just assumed that Bono's babies was just holding spots. And eventually they realized, like, oh, these are the words. Right. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) So I spoke to someone after one of the Joshua Tree... 17 shows who said that it was kind of insulting to do the herstory with a song that said baby so many times and back to the again being politically incorrect to me firstly you can call you know your husband your boyfriend anybody baby
0: my husband's name is Chris I call him babe if I'm writing a card to him I call him babe like I don't call him by name it is my name for him and I think if it meant as endearing I mean he's saying light my way like he's not no saying guide me like this is a
1: help I have a friend that calls women that mean something to him babe and I know mm-hmm. people that freak the crap out about him saying that. And to me, it's such a term of endearment. You it know, really like depends on the child. circumstance.
0: Oh, baby child.
1: It does depend on the circumstances. But coming from someone who you know and who means that as a term of endearment, I don't find that insulting in the least bit. But I know people right. that...
0: Not was a random at grocery store. <laughs> no,
1: no. Absolutely not. <laughs> That's but different. I, but if they called me a random guy called me baby child, I would be like, thank you, sir. Oh, baby child. <laughs> That's just totally different. And I explained it to one of my friends that finds contempt in our friend that calls women babe. I'm like, he doesn't call every woman babe. It's people that he loves, people that he's very friendly with. And for him to say that to you, it's not an insult. It's the utmost term of endearment. And anyway, that's my rant about that because... That's just one of those things that... And it's just with him. There are other people I know that it would drive me crazy, but with this guy, like he says it, and I love it. Right. Well, I think you need to tell the story. I mean, when you met your husband, did he introduce himself as Chris? No, he didn't. He
0: went by the name Caesar. It's a nickname he got in high school. And everyone, I mean, his parents call him Caesar, his brothers call him Caesar, his friends all from high school and college call him Caesar. And then when he got a job as a teacher and we moved into the community where he was teaching. He started going by Chris professionally. And then I was working from home but was meeting other moms in the area. And they'd be like, oh, what's your husband's name? And they say it was Caesar. And they'd go, like, oh, how, what a unique name. Paul. I'm like, I, just, I heard a story. Oh, what's his French name in high school? Cesar. And so I just started calling him Chris. Because it was just yeah. easier. But now neither of them sound right to me. I cannot remember the last time I called him Caesar. I might call him that when I'm talking with other people that also call him Caesar, but I'm pretty used to referring to him as Chris now, but that's why I just call him babe because I don't know
1: what the fuck his name is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I distinctly remember, and I doubt anyone else would have noticed this, but when you were in Newport news campaign and we were, outside your camper and drinking fireball where I misallocated my (laughs) alcohol units (laughs) even though your husband warned me I'm like you don't know what you're talking about I'm gonna drink this whole (laughs) bottle of fireball right now it's one more shot he's like that's more than one shot but that night I every other sentence I went back and forth between calling him Caesar and Chris, and I'm like I, I have know. no idea what. Ew. I'm like I'm just gonna alternate it all day, babe. and I don't know, right? I'm gonna call Babe. I totally am gonna do that. Funny
0: story. Whenever I give him a card, like for birthday or anniversary, or whatever, I the envelope I always put Babe, and then on the inside I put Love Me, and I'm just putting love jenny just seems like formal or something like i don't know it's just me <laughs> and one year he forgot to get me an anniversary card so he just put it back in the envelope and taped it and gave it back to me because it said to babe love oh. me <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is so creative and smart i was like touche <laughs> yeah <definitely>. that works <laughs> Right. I mean, if he gave you a card that said to Jennifer, love Christopher, how would that go? <laughs> Fuck are those know. people.
0: <laughs> I don't know. He rarely even calls me Jenny. It's When I hear him say my name, it's weird.
1: When Bono and Allie launched Eden, yeah. I don't even know what year it was. Oh, five or something like that. I don't know. It's a morning show. And the person that was interviewing them asked, Allie if she really calls him Bono and she said yeah. she calls him babe or yeah. baby she said baby baby was the word which to me was like I don't think she really calls him Bono he says she does but I also think that it's we'll get to that in just a minute but it's you know yeah. his mask right? so he's not gonna willingly admit that anyone will call him anything else but Bono yeah Big. we
0: tend to have you know terms of endearment and then they just stick. While y'all aren't going to be listening to this for a little bit longer after we record it, as we are recording it right now, it is officially the Edge's birthday. We should do our next... So I think our next, our second mountaintop of baby shot should be for Edge. Representing
1: Edge and 15 babies because the first would <laughs> represented luck. the other 15 babies. 15
0: babies.
1: I'm good well, at math.
0: Happy baby. birthday, Edge.
1: Happy birthday, The Edge. <laughs> we have one, two songs left. I hope that he's not like 60 by the time this comes out. <laughs> <laughs> because we'll have all another episode. How episodes. many babies do we have left? We have okay, one go, baby cause... left. Well, it's not in this song.
0: The next song is Acrobat. Which, God, yeah, this song. Talk about reimagining a song, bringing it new life.
1: Right. Yeah. God, I recently. Saw,
0: but we're going to talk about 1991 Acrobat. Bonna says there's a song called Acrobat and the point is you start to see the world in a different way and you're part of the problem. You're not just part of the solution. And that's the whole part of the fly with seeing your own hypocrisy.
1: I think Edge said that Most of the song was Joshua Tree surplus. It kind of stemmed off of both The Blue Sky, which I kind of hear that. That
0: would make sense. It's such a screeching guitar. Yeah. It's crazy. Both Edge and Bono have said that it's one of their favorite U2 songs. I mean, as of then. Although it doesn't quite get off the ground the way I'd hoped it would, Bono said. Well, they certainly. I love it change that live. It's a song about your own spleen, your own hypocrisy, your own ability to change shape and take on the colors of whatever environment you're in like a chameleon. I must be an acrobat to talk like this and act like that. There's that famous line, don't let the bastards grind you down. So, um, It's supposed to be at the press. Right. Because they were dragging them down so hard after rattle and hum.
1: That is a quote that people say is like some famous Latin quote and it's not.
0: Oh really? Um,
1: Yeah it's I mean like it's from modern day it's not like some old thing but Handmaid's Tale in Latin I can't even go there with Latin most of the time so I'm not translating it But in Handmaid's Tale, it's written inside of a closet or something, behind her bed or something. Yeah, so I think this is a common Bono issue that, from here on, that he's conflicted between being a rock star and having a family. And I think that, and being conflicted between having a big stage persona and not always being incredibly confident in himself.
0: For sure. And I think,
1: I think that, you know, the acrobat can be a bunch of different things. I take it as this is deep Hillary now. One of my favorite, favorite albums is, and I just got it on vinyl like two weeks ago, is The Stranger by Billy Joel. Oh, yeah. my God. That is just, The Stranger is written way before acrobat it's the same song yes it really is it's lyric is you know we all have a face that we hide away forever and we take it out and show ourselves when everyone is gone and if that isn't I must be an acrobat to talk like this and act like that like that yeah it absolutely is that song and acrobat obviously mean a lot to me and I don't think that I'm I mean I guess we all have a face that we hide away forever but (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm pretty consistent in who I am. I think for sure. But I understand this. It's just such a great theme of having two sides. And there's another one of those oral sex
0: references in here that when he talks about it being equal, this is a pretty, it's a pretty nasty reference actually. It, it's yes, pretty it is. nasty. I mean, physically, but also just like the tone of it is just. And you can swallow or you can spit, you can throw it up or choke on it. Like, I just don't care.
1: And then the next line is just (laughs) so friggin' perfect. (laughs) It's iconic, you (laughs) two. It is, isn't it?
0: I mean, that's like one of the number one tattoos, Dream Out Loud, right? I definitely never put it together that those two are next to each other. Yeah like that that kind of like that nasty comment to the dream out loud like oh people see that and you can dream to dream out loud and it's taken out of the song it's really uplifting
1: so but. they've played it 59 times i've heard it eight which has to be the highest percentage of any song yeah i've heard i mean in terms of how many times they played it versus how many times i've heard it
0: so I've heard it four times. They've only played it on the last tour, right? They didn't play it on Zoo TV, did they?
1: No, they didn't. And I saw eight shows, didn't I? And I
0: remember our friend Andy Green, this was one of the ones he was trying to get them to play. Right. And so he was oh, interviewing yeah, right. Recently, I mean, before 2017 and 2018, you're like, when y'all going to play Acrobat? And they're like, oh, like, whatever, whatever. The moral of that story is that it is recently so that someone next
1: is begging mission for. It. Is it challenges to hear Discotech again?
0: No, his other song is Drowning Man. Those are the two he asks for. Maybe he wants a Discotech.
1: Yeah. That's my so, number one goal um,
0: to get Discotech back on, on the main set list.
1: I have a really quick little story about that. Okay. I think I mentioned before that my seven year old nephew is obsessed with U2X and he says his favorite song is Discotech. Well, last night, his brother, his little brother, took a fall and ended up in the hospital with eight stitches in his head. And I freaked Um, the crap out. They live an hour and a half away from me, which is Will describing what happened. I felt like all the blood drained. I was so... It upset me so much. And I'm really trying not to cry. And Charlie gets on the phone and he's like, guess what my favorite radio station is, Tanti? And I'm like... What I we've had this conversation before, but it was like he was being really thoughtful,
0: Aww. coming up with
1: like a way to distract me because I was clearly about to cry. It was so sweet. And Will said, "Did you ever think you'd sit around and talk about YouTube with your nephew?" And I'm like, "Always." <laughs> I always knew I that mean, was gonna happen. Goals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was born, and I'm like, that kid's gonna talk to me about YouTube one day. I didn't think it would be at seven years old, but I knew it was coming.
0: Heck yeah. Are we on to the last song?
1: Oh my gosh, yes.
0: What an adventure this has been. We are on to Love is Blindness, which is our last baby of the evening.
1: To all the babies.
0: So this song, interestingly enough, has been played 155 times. Why? They were all in 1992 and 93, except once on the Vertigo tour in Argentina.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So I have a fun fact too. uh first leg, like, the indoor broadcast for Zoo TV, the leg of the tour that I saw, my show was one of the only shows that did not have Love Is really? Blindness. What yeah. did the show end with? remember With or without i mean baby. i
0: so love is blindness has one baby baby a dangerous idea that almost makes sense which the more i read the more bono loves to quote himself on that right <laughs> cheers <laughs> baby. Baby.
1: 10 shots of happy no shots of sad
0: no shots of sad Bono says that love is blindness is really something else. I remember Edge playing the solo at the end of this. I was pushing him and pushing him and pushing him, and he played until the strings fell off. Actually, you'll hear strings snapping during the solo towards the end. He was, I think, in tears on the inside, and the outside was just raging. So we always say that you choose to end on a prayer, and Bono says that Edge's guitar is a more eloquent prayer than anything I could say.
1: So my major comment about Love is Blindness is that the guitar is everything, and Bono yields to that. Like, I don't think he often steps back and says, this is yours. But in Love is Blindness, it is not about... I mean, the lyrics are great, the vocals are great, but Bono totally gives way to the guitar. He steps back.
0: Absolutely. So, interestingly enough, because... They're just such nice guys. Edge does say that this is probably one of Bono's finest lyrics, and that Bono actually wrote it on the piano, not an instrument he's noted for. He wrote it during Rattle and Hum, but his thought was that Nina Simone would sing it.
1: Right. I I mean, this is just the darkest, scariest, beautiful thing ever. I know. But you also have to sometimes flip the lyrics a little, because the lyric, Love is blindness, I don't want to see, is a positive thing about love, where almost everything else that's ever said in a U2 album is, you know, the struggle of love.
0: Right. Um, Won't you wrap the night around me, that could be like embracing. Yeah. But then you have that love is drowning in a deep well, all the secrets and no one to tell. That hurts.
1: It does. It's obviously a conflicting song like everything else, but I just love that line. Love is blindness. I don't want to see. So Larry said that these are the drums for love is blindness are the drums for my sl- found that I'm looking for slowed down. Oh, I yeah. have tried to hear that like 269 times and I don't get it at all. But that said, then, I'm not a musician. I don't really know what I'm talking does, about. He does.
0: I mean, I know the quote you're talking about and he says that the drum pattern is from something else and he thinks it's from that. But still, like, that's crazy to me. Bono says that the bass sounds like liquid at the center of the earth. A kind of molten lava bass sound. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: Again, I mean, I can say this about so many songs on Action Baby, but this is friggin' perfection in every way.
0: Here's another quote from Bono expanding on that other one where he was pushing edge. He says, Bono says, that Edge was playing until the strings came off. I was pushing him and pushing him one more time. Please, Edge, one more time. Finally, when we went for the take, one string broke and he just kept playing harder and harder. Another string broke and he has such a light touch ordinarily. He's so gentle. All that left him for a kind of rage. And yet there's not one bum note in there. It's incredible because he has such soft hands.
1: Right. <laughs> That's what I thought when I read that as well, because his hands are very soft.
0: Um, yeah, this is Edge's song. This, it's haunting.
1: So I have a production note. This was just something that has kind of sat with me. So apparently Edge took the Masters to LA to mix the album. Right. And there was a lot that was going on at the time. Firstly, they said they'd have everything done by a deadline, and no one believed them, but they did hit the deadline. But, on the last day of recording, like everyone's like, "Oh, we're done, we're done." And Edge comes in and says, "Wait, I have an idea for one." <laughs> and everyone else is like, he said that it looked you know that he had just told everyone that someone died like it was yeah. just so upsetting, and they took care of it really quickly, and when Edge left, everyone stood at the windows and watched him leave and you know cheered, and it was just a really in my mind, they're like watching.
0: The Titanic is a terrible analogy, but you know what I mean. Like, like a grand farewell. Like,
1: right. Come right. back soon. Send us a postcard. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And Edge so said, obviously, *Afton Baby* like, is not
0: I, the Titanic.
1: No, no, it's definitely not. But Edge said, you know, he was so nervous that he was gonna fuck everything up with this album yeah, that, is- that was perfection and it's just that was to me reading about that just was like really adorable
0: yeah Um, they worked so hard they came through such trials and tribulations I mean goodness god what an album
1: this is another thing you have to look back with like 2020 hindsight kind of thing like obviously Joshua Tree was an amazing album but I Mm -hmm. think when they recorded they were like yeah this is an amazing album yeah. They finished it, ended it, this is going to be an amazing album. And I feel like that wasn't a clear picture for Oxmo Baby. Like, I don't think that they knew what they, I mean, maybe they knew to some degree, but I don't think they knew what perfection they had.
0: Nothing compares to it. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that there aren't things they've done that are aren't better, but it's in a class of its own. And I mean, even with the subject matter, I mean, it's the whole package. It's not just the musicianship. I really think nothing else compares to it. Yeah, Europa is an offshoot, and Pop is part of the trilogy, but it's the foundation that's holding up the house.
1: It's also, though, in the trilogy, and I think it is maybe, definitely, the first time we've seen this, but that Acting Baby was not on... By no means the same level as anything else in the trilogy. Not anywhere close where I feel like to compare Joshua Tree and Unforgettable Fire is not that big of a long shot in terms of quality. I feel like Boy and War, that's not such a craziness to, or somewhat the same caliber. As much as I love pop, it doesn't stand up to Octon Baby by any means.
0: Oh God, no. Uh,
1: no. The next trilogy is All That You Can't Leave Behind, House of and Atomic Bomb, and No Light on the Horizon. There's not a clear shiner on that one either. No. I guess, I don't know. I mean, we'll get to that later. And okay. as far I'm, I'm,
0: far, tr- I'm excited to learn more about those
1: albums. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting because we lived through those albums big time, and I still don't know. I know, and. a whole lot about them. And
0: I obviously love them and love songs of them and the tours, but nothing has hit me like Octum Baby until recently.
1: Oh, no, right. Actually, so in terms of the fifth trilogy, which we've not completed yet, I think that Songs of Experience is the clear. Front runner, but I really hope it's not. I hope whatever we get next is the best thing ever.
0: Right? Yeah, songs of Experience. I mean, I, I don't want to talk about it yet. <laughs>
1: yeah. I just can't imagine anything standing up to that. I really am excited to find out if I'm right or wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong
0: too. But if you are, God, that's a good album.
1: It's really good album. <laughs> Did you say this before? Do other people talk about the trilogy? Uh, I have heard it come up, yeah That was actually an original thought to me I've never heard anyone else say it
0: When you said it, it made so much sense to me That I was like, well yeah, I know that But I'd also never put it into words Like it made so much sense that I I wasn't like, oh, big revelation You know, it was like, oh, yeah, of course I have seen other people mention it Like outside of listening to us But I don't know how much people think about it
1: well, so I guess we should call this the third trilogy episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> In a galaxy far far away.
0: In Berlin. <laughs> Quite a good, um,
1: oh my gosh, oh. I feel like a little sad and really relieved and liberated that we're done with this. Crazy. Oh, we sh- so
0: we should sign off. No. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we have finally made it through Octum Baby. I feel like it's going to be smooth sailing for a little while.
1: I really do, too. At
0: least, I think, like, mentally, it's going to be smooth sailing.
1: I think for me, I'm guessing that it's going to be smooth sailing until No Line on the Horizon.
0: Emotionally, it's going to be smooth sailing for me. That's what I should have said. But
1: we'll see you guys next time for Zoroba.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that'll be a little while.
1: So our next Tart Talk will be Zoroba. Yay! Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on this
0: Tart Talk. And we will see you our soon. Pie. Next time, Octong, baby! Octong, baby. <laughs> <laughs> baby!
1: Bye Peace <laughs> out, so, baby!